Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, our show partner. Benji's been crushing it on Zwift recently. I've been tootling along. MVP himself, who is a big protagonist of E3 today, has also been I think recovering, doing his recovery rides post MSR on Zwift. But anyway, have the E3 Saxo Classic. I'm going to call this the E3 Price E3 Harrell Becker. You're not allowed to change <laughs> the name on me so much. And it is the Mini Ronda on the Friday, and it was a it was a classic. It deserved. Yeah. It lived up to the billing. We'll also have Catalonia uh, afterwards. But is this a public holiday in Flanders, Benji? Like, what is the status of E3? Give us a little context to it. Just a work day, but really? I would say, oh, yeah. why is everyone on the road then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you got some economic growth problems. GDP yeah. could be boosted another 2% if you didn't have these on the weekdays. <laughs> I'm afraid so as well, but I will say it's got a pretty high name in the sense that it's probably, I think RVV is obviously the first one. Yeah. Then you've got the second one, which is probably him to able him. Really? Above this? And then the third one is probably Omlo because it's the start of the no. of the cobble season, and the fourth is probably a tree. Really? How I would rate it the way I see the the hype in the public. But after today, there might be a bit more hype about E tree than in usual years because in other years it was a bit of less uh, of a, an eventful. Day. But today, well, Pog didn't do it last year, and uh, did Matthew do it last year? I can't remember. No, nope. um, we're obviously on first name terms. Anyway, he is here. The stylist absolutely stacked. Two hundred five k's from Harold Becker to Harold Becker. We have a lot of the climbs you'll see in the Tour of Flanders, Aldequarmont, but the Paterberg is beforehand. I don't know if they do it in a different direction. They must. Um, sort of 2.1 Ks, 4%, with steeper cobble yeah. parts of it. It's really jagged, this profile, but the last Tiefenberg, which is not that hard, to be honest, 800 meters, 5%, that crest with 20... No, can I do maths? 21 Ks to go to the finish. <laughs> That's pretty far from the finish for the last climb, especially in a race that's an hour less in length, or maybe even more compared to Tour of Flanders. So it's a lot of climbs, but then the final is pretty much flat, and there was, a, I think, a tailwind in the final two. But yeah, we had Quickstep here. How would they go with Alphilippe and Asgren? Wout here with the full Yumbo Visma compliment, and the standard break went Benji uh, with Kel O'Brien, I guess the notable part. Yeah, he was in the breakaway. There were a few other people in the breakaway, but let's be honest about it. I'm not going to go through the entire breakaway at Edri Press, Heidelberg, Edri Press, Saxon Classic, whatever it's called at the moment, because there's so much action that will unfold later, and the break is basically caught the first second that action happens in this race. Because, like, there were a lot of, like, punctures and crashes in the peloton before we get to, like, the, the part that matters, but everybody knows that this race is going to open up on the time badge. It happened two years ago when Quickstep launched it there and made a group where they had a numerical advantage. It happened last year where Jumbo Visma did the exact same and also got a group with a numerical advantage ahead. Now today, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. It turned out a tiny bit different than the last two years, but the action was also great. And we're moving towards roughly 100k to go, 95k to go, 90k to go. We've gone over to Trieu, which is the 
the Knoktenberg, and nothing really happens there. Just a peloton getting a bit closer towards the breakaway. Gap is now roughly one minute, and we're moving towards 90 kilometers to go, where we've got the whole pause there, though. At the whole Why tons? are teams like EF pacing and got yeah. the whole team on the front, keeping the gap like a minute 30 to break at this point of the race? I think on the trio and so forth, I didn't get it. Why were they pacing before every hill and so forth before we get to the yeah. most important factors? Does not make sense in my head. Positioning, but then again, it's not important yet. Positioning matters. Take your lead from later. the big guns. Yeah, exactly. There's no real point in it for me, I would guess. And you also make it easier for the other teams, the likes of uh, Ayambo Visma and the likes of Yoi, who were pacing behind the breakaway, to not have to pace as much as they initially would have. Then again, Anafini was probably not going to survive multiple heels here, so I don't think it ha had too much effect that no. Anief was pacing, because half of their team would have been dropped on the first time, but anyway. Rude. <laughs> no true. offense, but half the peloton would be dropped. Yeah, on. true. When Timeberg goes, it's like a <laughs> complete explosion. Yeah. Anyway, descent of the well, we're on the Holtond, and we're noticing that the Holtond is before the Kortekeer, which is like the, the moment where everybody wants to be at the front. And on the Holtond, everybody starts sprinting already, trying to the front, and Greg van Avermaet is dropping off the back. And that's because I think he's coming back from illness, which is unfortunate to see. And is a real bummer because he's in contract here. If he wants to continue cycling, then the classics are a big thing for him to prove himself. And with that illness and with the form that he currently showed today, I fear for that a bit. Anyway, the peloton dives down the descent of the whole ton, and there we start seeing it. Eh? Quick step moving forward, Yumbo moving forward. Every team would like the big guns moving forward, except one team, UAE. Where was Pogacar? This is the problem. Well, Wellens had a flat. Bjerg dropped his chain. And so, and also UAE, I mean, why are you using Wellens before Oliveira, before Bjerg? Now, maybe it's the end of March and the clock, I think, goes forward tonight. And I think that's his <laughs> signal to, we'll see you in September. But <laughs> what is Wellens doing at the front that early? I couldn't believe it. Like, what is the point of Björg if not to be up there with Edo, Feeney, and, and who else? Jonas Koch. So I think Alberson today, for, for the middle part of this race, tactical masterclass. Actually, they completely surprised Jumbo Visma with an anticipation of Dries de Bont before really the action had kicked off, right? And no Jumbo Visma reacts. And you now have someone for MVDP to bridge to. You now have an Alpecin rider ahead, Dries de Bont, who's pretty strong. And a lot of people were saying, there's been a lot of articles written, you know what Jumbo are going to do, use numbers, blah, 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 blah. Well, Alpecin got ahead of them. Yep. And then Jumbo are having to react. Um, I mean, it ultimately didn't make too much of a difference to the Bont move, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a start of a theme. Yeah, I agree. And... I also noticed in the run-in after the Kortekeer, so on the Kortekeer, the peloton kind of blocks it up, but then afterwards they start sprinting towards the Tyenberg while the Bond has bridged up towards the breakaway or the leftovers of it. And during that sprint towards the Tyenberg, I felt like it wasn't very organized from Jumbo either, where for at least 10 to 20 seconds, Wout Fanat was at the front, Laporte was riding next to him, Fambala was riding next to him, and on the right side you see Benoit moving up, on the left side you see Nathan van Honot moving up, so... They're riding in the wind still, right? Yeah, but you accept that. It's like, um, you know, in Catalonia on stage one, you know, mm -hmm. Rolich, he launched way too early in the wind, but yeah. like, 
it was discussed, well, all the other riders, because Roglic moved up early from three, four Ks, you, you basically, you're happy to do a little bit of work there. So when it really kicks off, you're in good position yeah. where it's much worse. So that's sort of the price they're paying. But yeah, Yumbo looked fine. Um, it was MVP, Benji. Like, what? or Alaphilippe? <laughs> I feel oh, like there yeah. was a move by Alaphilippe before. He made a move before the time bag arrived with Van der Poel on his wheel. Really? While the peloton was entirely stretched out. A really confusing side because I was like, why would you attack here, Alaphilippe? Why would you do something here? You're going to blow Please yourself up for the time bag. And then the time bag arrives and we see that Yumbo still pacing towards it, like we'd expect to happen because they have the strongest team to do this. But we see someone launching it. Mathieu van der Poel, he's got Dries de Bont up the road, who's caught the breakaway and is sort of attacking the breakaway a little bit. And it's, it's smart because you, you isolate Wout early, make it a brawl one-on-one, -on -one, and you've got a pretty good chance of winning historically, rather than waiting to have Laporte attacking, Van Bala attacking, Bernot attacking. Plus, you've got other options. You've got Seren Kra who can be brought back behind. Now, if he goes clear there, and gets to the bond, there's big trouble. And this is why, you know, people said, oh, how does the chemistry of Jumbo Visma is it affected by, you know, look at Omelope and Kern, it was so great and everything, you know, how will Wout affect that? It's like, well, you need Wout there to be on Van der Poel's wheel. Because if yep. he's not, and listen, Van Bala, Benoit, Laporte are not going to be, if he's not, this race looks very different. And he rides negatively, Benji. Doesn't take a yep. pull with Van der Poel. At all. Yeah. That's a bit new. Is it new or is it what he should do on paper? Because at this point in the race, he knows that the group behind includes more Yumbo riders. Now, Benoit has had a puncture at this very moment, so mm -hmm. he's back in the Shadow Realm. But on paper, Von Baal is behind. On paper, the likes of Von Hoydonk could be moving up or Laporte could be moving up. I wasn't necessarily expecting Von Hoydonk in the position that he was, so props to Von Hoydonk for still being in the group behind. But who was also in that group behind, Tadej Pogacar, who was in the Shadow Realm before the time Berg started. Yeah. He was in P like 80, 90 before the time Berg started moving up on the time He also struggling with the, some of the wet corners. He went straight, you know, he went into a house for some stroop waffles. He, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know, maybe the tires or whatever. Uh, definitely was put under a little bit of pressure on some wet cobbles later. But yeah, that's the thing. You need well, like Trenton Benji, I don't really... It was very much like uh, Dwar's duel last year. He's behind. There may even be a couple of UAE in the group, but he he starts to panic and fret, and he's eating a lot of wind early. And for someone who needs to be dropping people on the, the harder climbs later, so there, it was a brilliant move from Alperson and MVDP. And unfortunately for them, Wout neutralized it, and then it sort of it all started to come back. Um, I don't know if I've missed anything. People periodically bridged across, right? The group swelled and then it all came back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you would say that it's a strategy that somewhat worked for Van der Poel in the sense sure. that I think we discussed in our Alpecin preview that a potential strategy for Van der Poel against a block of Yumbo would be attacking so early that he drops the Yumbo domestiques. Yeah. But then the question is, what is the follow-up? And I guess we and see And then today... hopes Wout pulls with him. Yeah, exactly. Well, that didn't really work out. But we have a follow-up that is not necessarily bad for him, I would try to say. Now, we see a group forming, 
And that group includes the likes of Søren Kranderson as well, next to the likes of Pogacar, Van der Poel, and so forth. So, yeah, that group is entirely formed, but we see a move a bit later with like 68k to go. No clue what bloody climb it is, because there's so many bloody climbs in Flanders that it exists anyway. It's a climb that exists. Osgain does a move there, and it's like the kind of Osgain move where he gets a bit of a gap, and then he keeps pacing for a bit. And we see that in his wheel, it's a Jumbo rider, but not Wout Finan. I'm pretty sure it was Laporte in his wheel. Yeah. And we've got Vanderpool following, Pogge at the back of his six-man group, and Van Aert is kind of on a gap for a second, and then Van Bale has to close down the gap for Wout Van Aert. Van Aert should have been on Vanderpool or Pogacar's wheel at that point, right? Yeah, maybe you didn't expect Asgren to attack. It's not the worst situation for Jumbo Visma, and, you know, they get back across, and I'm thinking they got three in the group. They got Laporte, Van Aert, and Van Baler, I think it was. Morich is always lurking. He's This is the phase of the race. Morich is really trying to get, find an ally like a Stefan yeah. Kung to get ahead with because he knows on the part of Berg he's not going to be able to go at the big gun. So this is really his time in the race. And I couldn't believe it. It comes back together. I'm looking at Dylan Van Baler. I'm like, he's going to go. He's going to go. <laughs> he doesn't. No one yeah. from Yummo goes. And it's Alperson again, beating Yumbo at their own game. With Sir and Kra, what a signing. Perfectly compliments Van der Poel, actually, to the point where Van der Poel, I think, makes a few mistakes in the final here. He goes, and you see Van Aert on the radio saying, someone needs to go with this. <laughs> and it's Van Hoydonk bridging across with, I think, Moritz, right? Yeah. Where did Van Hoydonk come from? Because I swear he was not in the group there until he was, and Laporte was suddenly gone. So it's like they teleported and switched places yeah. at that point in the race. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Anyway, those three get a bit of a gap and we've got a bit of a phase where it kind of calms down for eight yeah. kilometers where it's kind of like those three riders are ahead and the group behind still has some people working, but not the Van likes Hoedong of... Van not pulling. Exactly. Van Hoedonk is not pulling at the front. That's pretty important to mention. And why is he not pulling in that group? Because he probably says, okay, Mohoric is in this group. Because they'll cook him. <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> especially with the likes of Paterberg still coming out of Quadamon yeah. still coming and so forth but Quickstep basically has riders come back to that second group Lampard for example so more riders in that group now and Clock, Lampard has to pace for Asgren Clock starts pacing for Ghana Ghana I guess and 58 kilometers to go we enter the Stationsberg and there's, that's where two things happen first of all a crash of Van Barle which puts Jumbo in a different position. Very While different. they still have Van Hoedonk at the front and still Van Aert in the second group, they've got a rider less to do stuff with Wout Van Aert or to anticipate later on if Van Hoedonk gets caught. But at that same moment, we've got a vicious attack on the left side of the road, huh? Yeah, Van der Poel goes again. He's trying to get across to Søren Kra. The gacha bridges across. Van, de, uh, Van Aert closes and the motorbikes bring them across very nicely. And... This is the race. <laughs> we'll, but before we get into that, we'll mention the Zwift Hub, the best priced uh, direct driver or any trainer on the market. It's been so good to hear your feedback, getting the Zwift Hub, how it compares to other trainers at just a crazy price point, half the price or less of other trainers on the market. So if you are in the market for one or you want to jump in and jump onto Zwift, the perfect companion is the easy to set up Zwift Hub. So here's the race, here's the situation. Søren Kra, Van der Poel, 2 Alperson. Moric, 
Pog, two Slovenians uh, with two different goals. Bahrain, UAE, isolated. Van Huydonk, Van Aert, Jumbo Visma. Behind, Van Bala's crashed out. Laporte doesn't look good. Benoit's nowhere. Tosh van der Sun is back in the group behind. We have FDJ with numbers in the group behind. Movistar with numbers. Ineos with yeah. a few numbers. But they're really far behind. Alperson really... These are their two guys. They don't really have too much behind either. This is a really good situation for Alperson because they have two of the strongest four in the group in Surankra and Vanderpool because I've had Surankra above Moritz and above Van Hoydonk, which is important because theoretically getting into thinking about the end game, if SKA attacks and Van Hoydonk can't close, it means Van Aert has to close with Van der Poel in the wheel. So I was seeing Yumbo work with this. I guess everyone was sharing it equally, but I was, it was a better situation for Alperson. Alperson pre-race would have been very, very happy with this move. I think so as well, but I want to throw the question for a second. Van der Poel attacked on the Stationsberg, bridging to a group with Sönkra Andersen, Mohoric and Van Hoydong. If we say Søren Kronesen was potentially the strongest of those three, why did Van der Poel close that down if there was a chance that Søren Kronesen exactly. could have gotten out of that? And that's a continuation of when, when these moves go later from the big guns and SKA is trying to bridge back, why is Van der Poel pulling when Søren Kronesen can come back and help yeah. him? And I think that's either inexperienced or huge confidence or wanting to test himself head to head against well i think it was a mistake though you're right like just wait for someone to blink who's gonna blink poggy poggy will blink he's not in the front group he has to go across let him bridge you across so in that sense i was yeah you're right like maybe he was trying to get across to a satellite rider but yeah I think it was just, he's not used to having teammates. They're not used to racing like this. Exactly. And you're going to have the other twin your wheel if you bridge towards those uh, satellite riders. So in the end, we create that situation, that group, and we're moving further into the race where, you know, the next spot is the Valtebeck-Hodequadamont combo, the, the famous combo. Usually it's the other way around in RVV. In yes, yeah. it is. Um, but here it's Valtebeck first and then Hodequadamont four kilometers later. And we know what's coming, eh? We know who's going to attack on the <laughs> steepest bloody hill in this world. Is it the steepest hill? One of the steepest hills in this race. We know who of the three favorites is willing to attack there. It's Tadej Pogacar, but it's not the brutal attack because it's also... Baterberg in RVV has this like barrier set up so you can't ride in the gutter. Baterberg in E3 has no barrier set up and there's a gutter free to ride to the top. Well, who did it, it suit more? The climb more. Like the difference there that you just mentioned. Does that suit the cycle crosses more or Pog? Well, I'd say it, it's kind of technique wise to fit in the gutter and stay in the gutter. Like Van Hoydonk had issues with it. Where yeah. It was like all wobbly and balancey well, about and, it. And Van der Poel went straight in it. Yeah, Pogacar as well, to be honest. And I feel like his technique is relatively good as well. So I would say it wasn't an, a real negative eater for mm. Pogacar there. I think in general, it just, it might have stopped him from an all-out attack. But I, it's also not the climb where you can attack out of the saddle properly, eh? 
And Poggy also always attacks from the front. He starts from the base, he winds it up, and he just does a really long effort trying to grind the others off his wheel rather than a short, sharp, like, sprint. And we see Vanard is struggling. Surenkran, Van Hoydonk are dropped. Moritz is dropped, but he comes back on the descent. Surenkran and Van Hoydonk work together, even though the three are pulling in front a little bit, which is where, if I was Vanard, I both thought Van der Poel and Van Aert should have let their domestiques come back at this point. Um, firstly yeah. for Alperson, because Serenkrai was stronger than Van Hoydonk. So, and then for Wout as well, just having another teammate to help, maybe theoretically... Anderson attacks. Yeah, that lead out. Just, you know, Morich, say Morich anticipates, I think, let him come back. They do return... And Aldequarmont, the last really hard climb, 39Ks to go, Pagacha attacks. And we already saw on the Paterberg, the camera didn't show it, but you can see Wout was off the wheel at the end of the Paterberg. If you go and look back, and Pagacha goes on the Quarmont, drops Wout, who seems to be doing almost, he's just looking, doing it to power, actually, uh, on the Quarmont. And when they get over the flatter section, he he comes back a bit, Vanderpool. Like, this is what Pogatra and Vanderpool normally do. Pog, they're a team against WoW. Pog smash steep. They get to the crest. Vanderpool comes to the front and starts pulling after and to extend the gap to WoW. That's the plan, but it didn't work out. I would say it looked a bit more difficult for WoW than it did for the first two. If this is after 230 kilometers in a race, I might actually see WoW getting in more trouble here than he was today. He was on that gap a tiny bit, but... I'm not sure if that was because he was dropping or that was because he like slipped with his back wheel for nah, a second nah, getting dropped. out of the gutter. He got dropped on Quarmont. 100% okay, yeah. dropped. Okay. 100% dropped. He was gone to the Shadow Realm and then he returns with his re re Uno reverse card and is back in, a, in the three-man group. But then another attack comes. Pogacar goes again on the second part of the Outer Quarmont. Does the exact same thing. And the gap's starting to open up a tiny bit. But... Then a motorbike crashes <laughs> yeah. ahead of Pogachar. And I don't think that motorbike crashing saved Wout Fanad here. But that's there there were like six motorbikes in front of this three-man group so a lot crashed. of the time. No point in that being there. And well, if you got many motorbikes, then there's more chance of one hitting the deck. That's yeah. my my fact of the day. We should say in the group behind there was Turner pacing, there was various counter moves. I'm sure we've where exactly it happened, but at some point a group of Kung, even Garcia Cortina and Jorgensen go clear. They're joined, I think, by oh Madawaz had been pacing. They're joined by they were with Ganna and then those three go clear with Morich, I think, from that group. Uh but this is that's after the second quarter. That that group was so far behind with it because the motorbikes, the three in front were working well. So we get over the last Quarmont. Vanard immediately starts relaying with them. He's working, yep. um, doing a bit more than Pog even on these flatter roads. We only have the Tegenberg, however you say it, left. It's not that hard. And so the group's working really well. We've got, unless there's some distancing on the last climb, which isn't that hard, a, a sprint coming, which I think is a tailwind. Pog didn't really go all in or try to attack on the Tegenberg, Benji. He, he really didn't. He just, they just relayed. He didn't try. Exactly. Now, there's something that you might not know because you're an, you're an Australian, so you don't, you don't mingle with the Benelux traditions of <laughs> Edri Harlbeke. But the Tichenberg, 
is a legendary climb because at the top, if you come over it first, you're in bathroom furniture. And I'm pretty sure that Wildfinart knew that because he went to the front 10 meters before the line of that bathroom furniture price and he took it home. I don't know who wants bathroom furniture, but clearly someone in his family needs it because otherwise Wildfinart would not speed up to get that on the line there. That might cost him That's... at the finish line. When we'll I saw it, see. I was like, what is he doing? Because it wasn't a full-blown attack. Anyway, they get over it. The group behind, as I mentioned, they're not coming back. And we're now into the end game with the three. This is exactly what we all wanted to see. The organizers, etc. Yumbo Visma haven't been able to, as a team, sort of assert their superiority. They're having to rely on Van Aert to win. Van der Poel is looking menacing. Pagacha, though, seems to realize at a certain point, oh, shit. I actually can't win a sprint against these two. I could almost see that thought process happening. And he starts to pull, you know, literally thrown off. And the other two big guys are pulling. And he's like, how is he going to play this end game? Because he wants third. He doesn't want RVV to happen like last year. And there's the group closing behind with Kung and the two Movistar guys and Morich. But... Yeah, I mean, what can Poggy even do in this situation? On one end, you could say, oh, Poggy has, has had good small group sprints in the past. He could save it all for the sprint, but that's a risky one. Because on paper, I would argue that an MVDP would definitely beat him in a, in a tree-up sprint. And a Wout Fanat, that's a close one because he's lost actually sprints to Pogacar before. After uh, Olympics, which was a, a bit of a different race, to be honest. Because Wout did a lot of work there in the final. And he let it out. Exactly. Now, the other option is attacking, but if you attack, you got to go all out for that attack, and you got to have the benefit that Wout van Aert and Mathieu van der Poel need to look at each other after that. Because that's something that has happened in the past. He can be three years ago, or two years ago, I don't know what year it was, but Peterson going in the move, and van der Poel and Wout van Aert just staring at each other behind. Well, Peterson ends up winning that race in a sprint against someone that was not much of Van der Poel and Wout van Aert in that race. And that's, I think, the thing that Poggy needed in an attack that did not happen. Because 3.4 kilometers to go, Pogacar attacks, Wout van Aert closes it. And when that happens, you know that, okay, they're not looking at each other here. We go towards 1.2 kilometers to go, Pogacar attacks again, and Van der Poel closes. Yep. So... He's attacked twice, he spent energy for the sprint that comes in 1.2 kilometers in those attacks, and the other two did not look at each other, so they were fast on the wheel, so they did not spend as much energy as Poggy, right? No, no way, and also, they're just happy to go for the sprint. Definitely Van Aert was happy to go for the sprint, and Poggy just, Poggy didn't know what he wanted to do, I think, in this race. He, he couldn't really... Figure eight, like, oh, I'll do this, and then, oh, it's not working. Oh, shit, I yeah. can't win my sprint. And really what he needs to do is let the wheel go when you're in the three. Let Van Aert go up the road a little bit, force Van, Aert, uh, force Van der Poel to close it. Let yeah. the wheel go of Van der Poel. Start to really create a situation. Them. Use them as your teammate. Yeah, and next to that, it didn't help Pogacar that he came into a situation very similar to the Van Vlaanderen last year. Right, the group behind was getting closer, Your right? was coming, a minute, yeah. To 45 seconds, to 40 seconds, 35 seconds. It didn't get much closer than that, but I feel like it was enough to get Pogacar to keep on pacing a tiny yeah. bit after his attack. Then he started flicking his elbow vigorously, 
But if you just attack, the others are going to be like, mate, why would we do that? But I also feel like Vanard was sitting on more than the other two in these last five kilometers. I have to be honest, I think that was very noticeable here. Yeah, I think so. He, he was waiting for the sprint. He lubed up his chain from the car as well. <laughs> they did a chain lube after, I think, a wet cobbled section. And curiously, and this is where it's different to the Olympics, Pagacha leads out the sprint with, I think, a bit of a tailwind from a decent speed. He's not, they were not track standing like in Flanders. And maybe that is the history of that last year. He leads it out. And that means zero chance of winning. Zero. In, especially in a 200 kilometer race. Van der Poel comes out. Yeah. Wout triggers the same time as Van der Poel. And Van Aert wins the sprint comfortably, actually, by a, at least a while Van der Poel stopped. But he came over the top of Van der Poel, winning with Van der Poel second, Pagacha third, Jorgensen solo fourth, Garcia Cortina fifth. That's the. 400 UCI points for Movistar, and to be honest, two in the top five for Movistar at E3, that is a good result. I don't, yeah. doesn't matter that they weren't in the hunt for the win, that's a good result. Kung, Morich, Madouaz, Kranderson, Ghana was very strong in parts, 10th. And yeah, I mean, this is Van Aert lost Tour of Flanders sprint by yeah. a photo. Like, it's not. It's not a huge surprise that he can win a higher speed sprint. And I think the Pagacha leader really played into his hands. I think so as well. The slower the sprint is, the more I would lean towards Evanderpool. The shorter the sprint is, the more I would also lean towards Evanderpool. But I did feel like Wout van Aert was in the perfect position in the wheel of Vanderpool. So his Pogacha was going to get overtaken by Vanderpool instantly in that sprint, is how I saw it. And then those two are in the wind while Van Aert can a tiny bit use the wheel of Vanderpool and then launch it past him. In the end, then I was like, oh, is Vanderpool going to come back when Wout Fanard went over him? But that did not happen. And Fanard wins this and was a strong performance this entire race. Now, would you say this race would have ended differently if it was 250 kilometers? Would Wout Fanard have dropped properly if there was another path to the Uh I think it's, first of all, the, the Paderberg is after the Quarmont, whether that changes anything. So does Poggy... Ooh. It goes Artaclamont, Paderberg, Koppenberg. So whether that sequencing suits Pagacha more to soften them up on Quarmont and then get separation on Paderberg, I think it does. There's also yep. the extra hour. So does the three meter, four meter, five meter gap turn into a 10 meter, 15 meter, 10 second gap? Where, I mean, even if he's dropped, by like five, seven seconds, he's he has a really good chance of coming back afterwards because the other two have to work full gas the whole time. Maybe they will, and he has to really crack completely. And so if he just doesn't crack completely and disintegrate and still has something for the flat afterwards, it's going to be really hard, even in Flanders. Um, it's also his sprint. Maybe his sprint is less after another hour. We don't know. Um, I don't think it... I don't think this is exactly how Yumbo intended to draw up today's stage. I think <laughs> Alberson were the aggressors, um, yeah. but they got the dub. And Van Aert definitely in parts, in places of the race, was more passive. Certainly when yeah. Van der Poel attacked after Tyenberg. I think one thing that is notable, though, is that the dominance of Omlop and Kuna from Yumbo Visma is kind of irrelevant in races like this, where a Van Aert and a Pogacar can open it up so early to the point that they can bring Yumbo to a position where it's mano a mano between the big guns. And then it's down to Van Aert and 
he did it mano a mano today, which is something that last year I feel like he failed to do in certain races and the year before and so forth. But this time around, he properly delivered that right here against the two other best. And that's promising for RVV and probably for his confidence as well. Now, do we put any more attention on uh, chain gate? Hashtag chain loop gate? It's not allowed, is it? To no. loop the chain in motion from the car. Exactly. On um, paper, it's a, a disqualification according to rules, plus like 500 Swiss francs or something. But it would be a real shame for this race, how amazing this race was, to have that rule applied here and have him out of the race. That being said, if the rule should be applied consistently, he should be disqualified. I'm just like, why is this rule existing? Because last year, Lampard did it in Roubaix, and he finished well. He, he, then he got spectator crash him out, but that was disconnected yeah. from the loop being put on his chain. But it happens probably so much behind the scenes, the loop being put on a chain by a, by a, a mechanic throughout the window. Like, why does this rule exist? Is it safety, safety. for mechanics? I mean, the mechanic looks kind of like a fallout. I don't know. It looks pretty dangerous. Um, well, does it make a difference in the final? Maybe. But I would, now that he's done it, and maybe the rule has been sort of dragged up to light, I think it'd be risky to do it in Flanders. Um, yeah. So maybe get warned before. I don't know. Maybe the commissaires will give him a fine and a UCI point docking. They're not going to change the result. The UCI, according to Sportza, actually said, oh, we'll allow it. I don't know if they said we've allowed it or we'll allow it. I don't know if they allowed it before he did it or after he did it. Because that's like a curious difference, right? If, if, if they allow it after he did it, they're like, okay, well, this rule, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> if they allowed it beforehand, they might have asked. And then it's different, you know? What does this mean for Tour of Flanders? What does this raise mean for Tour of Flanders? I think... First of all, just a confirmation that the dominance of Jumbo of the opening weekend doesn't mean that they will dominate the RVV and Roubaix instantly. In Roubaix, I think that might matter more than in an RVV. But in RVV, I feel like it's probably going to be mano a mano again. Um, it's going to be difficult for RVV to be as legendary as his E3 was, I would say, where it ends up with the three greatest at the end. I hope so. But we've had so many moments in the past where we look forward to something like that happening, and then one has a puncture or a crash early on, and then it's ruined. So yeah. I sincerely hope it once again happens where we've got a similar fight on the hands and where we can see them mano a mano on the final climbs there. What else does it mean that Sweden Kronersen is good outside of MSR this year, which is a difference from last year, I would argue. It's a win, right, for Alpsen? Yeah, and MVP should trust him a little bit more. I think he, he was very aggressive early. The crash of Dylan Van Baal is very important. Uh, how he comes out of that for Flanders, I think he is a key rider for Yumbo, and I think you really do want the pressure of Van Baal from behind. If you have the three big guns ahead, I think yeah. you want the pressure of Van Baal from behind. So I don't know how injured he is. It looked like a hard crash. But Laporte seems a little bit off. Like, yeah. he... He wasn't very good today. I don't know what happened. Benoit had the mechanical, whatever. A quick step, awful, uh, frankly. Lampart was their best at 16th. Asgren attacked on Starschensberg, well, I think, and then dropped himself. So why is Asgren making awful. the race? It's not his place, man. I agree. He should be a following rider like the way Mohoric is racing. Yeah. Asgren should be racing. Yeah. And I feel like quick step often has in the classics this feeling of, oh, we need to control the race like in the, in the days where we were actually a prominent top Good. team in these classics. 
Okay, you said it in a more clear way than I did. Well, that not being good said, in the classics. I feel that like they did play more of a role than I expected them to today. Alaphilippe was gone pretty quickly, but then again, the dude attacked before the time bed, which is fucking stupid. And when it comes to Lampard and Asgreen, Asgreen, I feel like wrote, wrote a good race in terms of strength. Physically, he looked better. But should play the Mohoric role. Yeah. There, there is no way that even Garcia Cortina, who I like as a rider, but physically, yeah. he's not better than Asgreen here. And he's come fifth. Yeah. And I think there's a reason he's come fifth. Because he sat in the wheels, he bought his time, waited yeah. until he deepened the race. So Azrin looks good, but you, you, him attacking with two hours left or an hour and 45 left with Vanderpool and Wout in the wheel is not a good idea because you're not better than them. I do think he needs to attack early to be able to get into the final with the best, but I think Azrin has this thing where he won RVV and he might be slightly marked as a consequence of that. Yeah, he can't do exactly but, what Moritz is allowed to do. But on paper, he's like, why is that? Why is that? Because Moritz can do exactly what Osgren can do when they ride away. Because they dropped Moritz on Paderberg, so they're not worried about him. Okay. They're like, you can come with us, we'll bridge across to you, because when it really comes down to it, we will drop you on Paderberg. Osgren, yeah. they're like, well, in 2021, Liverpool didn't. So that's why. <laughs> I get that. Now, Movistar, you said two eyes in the top 10, great performance, but that's actually, a, that, that's actually a great performance in total. Like, remember the days where Movistar had like Oliveira in the break or Johan Jakobs in the break or Amador in like the breakaway or Imanol Erfiti yeah. every single time? Those days are gone. Jorgensen is an actual competitor here, really versatile rider as well with the way he so climbs good. and and average TT at the moment, but that could become yeah. better if he goes to a team that actually can beat you well yeah i mean fourth here after fifth in the Pyrenees stage eight after winning tour of oman it's yeah. really really impressive jorgensen and it's not just one lucky counter from the wheels he also anticipated earlier in the race in between the timeberg and somewhere else he was aggressive all day really really impressive from jorgensen and garcia cortina uh was sort of more of a follow poor old fdj FDJ, I think, had a race to forget too. They had strong riders. They just always seemed to be on the back foot. Instead of having Madawaz anticipating with Morich, Van Hoydonk, Sir and Kra, they were sitting passive. And Lagak did have a mechanical, I think, or a, a crash. But still, I think, a race to forget for, for them. And Ineos, honestly, turning back from injury, Ghana trying it out. I think reasonably positive, actually. Ghana mixing it up in Group 2, could it have been a little bit different? You know, Peacock's yeah. not here, and I think Ineos was fine. Yeah, I think it will matter more in the likes of Roubaix and so forth, yeah. where it's more flat, it's more likely that he's going to be able to worm himself well itself in a position where he can do something from while on the climbs. He, he might not be able to handle the repetitive climbing on a, of every single hill with the best, but also not the, the massive explosion acceleration that happened on the time bed, where he might not have been in the first positions in the first place. If he was there, he might have actually made the group. But then again, I don't think he would have. Now, there's actually come some footage out of the motorbike that crashed on the outer quadrimon, and actually, uh, it actually hit a few spectators. So all really? those people are actually all right. So that's, uh, 
yeah, it, it were like three, four motorbikes riding in front of the group. So in my opinion, there should not be four motorbikes in front of that group at that moment in the race. Enough to get the footage and so forth. There's probably probably a camera person, photographer on the motorbike, I'm guessing. Or what else do you have them at that point? Vips is too late, right? There shouldn't be Vips at that point on a motorbike. No. It's, I hope that person's okay. It looked pretty scary, actually, yeah. seeing that footage. Um, I'm just going through the other teams just ahead of Tour of Flanders. Uh, Jayco, no one. Trek with Pedersen, 14th. They couldn't really get into the race. Sturvin, seven minutes back. When it really got going, they weren't there. Uh, as well as Lotto without Delee, looked a bit toothless. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Binny. He DNF'd. They really weren't in the race into Marche either. So, yeah, other teams, not their best day. I would love to see Pog on a team that puts him in good position, but um, I don't think we'll see that by next Sunday. Yeah. You think? What? Wait? What? Repeat? We're not going to see uh, people putting Pog in good position by next Sunday. He's going to have to do it all himself again. I feel like when it comes to RVV, it's different where we kind of have the reins opening up early on like the... I think the Molenberg is one of the earlier climbs in there, but when we look at the last few Quadamons and Paterberg combos, we see that the running towards the outer Quadamont, while it narrows out a tiny bit, when they go like uh, to the right at a certain point, it narrows into a certain street where people want to be at the front. Last year, he was in the right position, right? Going into the outer Quadamont? He was in pretty good position. Yeah, he was. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe he will be okay today. Looked a lot like Dwar's door last year. But let us know. Will Van Aert was pumped after the finish. He wins a sprint ahead of MVDP. I think he really needed that as a confidence boost. Now, does that mean he should start pulling with Van der Poel in the wheel all the time next Sunday? No, I don't think so. I still think... And I think he knows that the Paterberg and Quamont is the danger zones for him. Hopefully Van Baal's okay from their perspective and anyone else that crashed yeah. in E3. But... What a delightful appetizer for next Sunday. It's almost <laughs> like it can't it can't be better than that, you know? Like yeah. I feel like we've you can't have too many <laughs> presents at once. Uh, but it was fantastic. So yeah, great edition of E3. Definitely worth rewatching from eighty-five Ks to go, eighty-seven Ks to go, frankly, yeah. worth a, worth putting it on. But we'll transfer over to Catalonia. It's unfortunate. We will have an article on lanternridge.com about the revised UCI calendar because E3 literally finished within five minutes of Catalonia's oh. like hardest climb. Very, very frustrating. Remco v. Roglic, 178Ks, finishing on to Laporte, 8.6Ks, 8.8%. Hockey stick stage. Roglic was ahead of, uh, what's his name? Remco on name? stage positions. <laughs> Almeida and Soler and Lander and Woods and Hinley, everyone sort of sniffing around GC top three, top four. I thought the stage really suited Almeida. We said that before, Ben. You said that on uh, yesterday. Nothing really happened, Benji. Like, apart from the weird thing, a break went like with Sakabu Gourmet and some yeah, other yeah. riders. But yeah, but Hater <laughs> was in the break. Yeah. And then got countered by Gourmet and then just went back to the peloton. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I generally don't know what happened there. Free coverage. It was super weird. If you go and look at the PCS live stats for it, you just see there's like a sequence of events that make no sense. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, the reality is it's coming back. We go to the climb. Like, this is a perfect world hockey stick stage. And it's yep. really the battle of Quickstep versus Bora Hans Grower, Edish Schelling. I'm trying to do it. Do it for me. But is it Schelling? Schelling. Schelling. Got it. Um, they're sort of two trains trying to keep their Hindley and Oterbrooks in good position, but I couldn't figure out who was the leader for Bora Hans Grower. I'm not sure. I, don't, I could, yeah, I couldn't figure it out. Um, and Quickstep, they, they're okay. I haven't seen the Watts numbers, which really tell a story. I think there's a little bit of a headwind. Um, but Jan here basically was on the front early. There were other teams pacing, I think, like Bora Hans Grower, but were you surprised to see how long Quickstep paced for Benji? I, th- I uh, think just, so just to read well. your profile. Sorry, to, just to, the profile has a with five k's done with oh, about three point no four k's four point eight k's to go. There's a ten percent kilometer, and they were still pacing there. Yeah. So the way we planned it out yesterday, if we were a quick step, was that we said you should try and. Set up the train at the start and launch them in the pool to the point that he goes relatively early, whether it's 5k to go, whether it's yeah. it's probably the kilometer with 5k to go is the seep section that I would have said attack with them in the pool because you don't want to leave it too late either. If you leave it too no. late, that means that you haven't paced too hard for the initial part yeah. to the point that you might have others still following you. And I was surprised that when I switched from when I switched from E3 to this race, and it was like 4.5 kilometers to go, that we still had Remco Evenpool sitting behind Jan Hirt and Von Wilder. And Maida, sorry, it was Gino Maida Erasure, who's had a very, very odd Volta Catalonia, by the way. Yeah. just was good on Volta, completely dropped out of GC, and now is pacing today. Very, very odd. But he's, he was pacing. Yeah, that, even that of itself, allowing the pacing responsibility to another team and yeah, he dropped by day, but was it a nuclear pace? I don't think so. And this is no. what we were thinking. If Remco is superior, and he showed that on Volta, I think he definitely showed that on La Molina, yeah. then as Benji just referred to, if you try to pace for too long, that means the domestique's power is going to be lower and flatter. Yeah. If you say, guys, 3Ks, 12 minutes between the three of you, just absolutely send it, then they can do 6.5. 6.6 maybe, um, probably no. not, but they can do well over six, which is what you need. As opposed to like when you see Foss on La Culliol, he's doing a 12K pool, it's going to be at 5.6, 5.7. And yeah, you see Van Heert's pacing, Van Wilder is giving him some encouragement or some words, being like, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And the group is still pretty big. No. And then Van, even when Van Wilder takes over Benji, the group is still... Like, Hindley's there, Oterbrook's there, Soler, Almeida, Lander, even Haig was still there, he's not in the best shape. Like, it's still a 10-man group. Yeah, Rubio's dropped, but Woods is looking good and he's there. It's, I don't think Quickstep paced is hard enough. I don't think so either, or at least they didn't pace hard enough in the, in the smaller time span that they should have. Yeah. Because if you wait until the last D part, then it's going to be very difficult to, well, it's still possible that you drop people, but then you're talking about two kilometers before, before the finish line. So it's going to be more difficult to get rid of people if you attack two kilometers from the finish line than if you attack five kilometers from the finish line. And next to that, 
when Remco Evenpool does go with attack, we see that Mark Soler is following. Just want to talk about that for a second. Mark Soler is able to follow at that point. Unreal shape. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unreal shape. Like, memes aside, like, Remco's attacked. Roglic is in the wheel quickly, quicker than a Lamalina. And Mark Soler, everybody's just like, zoom, straight over into the wheel. I was like, (laughs) and again, I don't know where he's on GC. He threw some seconds the other day on La Molina. Um, This this is a stage where it's like, you kind of do just let Almeida do his thing, Mm -hmm. I think. On these sort of gradients, Almeida will just do his thing, and having Soler Mm -hmm. ahead sitting on is also a decent situation too. And there was a moment where Remco attacks Benji where I think he had Roglic on a gap. It's like on Volta maybe. And I did not see today the Tour of Norway... Pico Hano fan choir confidence from Remco that he would ride Roglic off the wheel. And I think he already, again, this is me just guessing, but I think he was already thinking about the sprint and losing GC on bonus seconds. I think it might've been in his head as well. If we take a look at the way he reacts to Roglic in the wheel, he might not have seen that Roglic was in the wheel. Uh, was not in the wheel for a second there when Soler was, was still riding with him. Yeah. So uh, Roglic was on, I think it was like two, three meters, like yeah. pr- a proper one and a half bike length for a second there with roughly, I think, four kilometers to go. So we're looking at that attack and we're thinking, okay, he's, if he pushes now, he can put real pressure here. Roglic closes it and then Remco looks behind him, sees that Roglic is on the wheel and then he starts riding a bit slower. Yeah. And maybe if he had seen that gap, he might have kept pushing, but we're still so far from the finish line where I feel like keeping up the pushing might actually work on this gradient. But that's what you Keep did with, it up with your And it worked. Yeah, exactly. So it was, maybe he just felt bad, but it was really, I thought he was, the whole time, I thought Remco was going to win this stage. I thought Remco yeah. was going to take time on the road because he was strong on Volta, he's strong on La Molina. This is the hardest climb. But he didn't. Do Remk, he didn't really stick to his strategy of how he's been successful in the past. And I think Roglic got in his head a little bit. And they literally start finessing. As opposed to what happened to La Molina, the grey stop. So Lair's with them. Almeida choo-choos his way back over. Woods is a bit behind. <laughs> really good to see Mike Woods in good shape. And also this climb yeah. really, really suits him. A little bit long, but good for him. And... The, the funniest thing about this stage to me is the one time UAE should play numbers and let Soler go up the road and be selfish, the one time Soler goes on the front and starts pacing as a domestique for Almeida. I could not believe it. You've got Remco Roglic staring at each other. You guys are further behind on GC, particularly Soler. You both are feeling good enough that you could attack, particularly Soler at that moment. Almeida can choo-choo behind in the wheels and then they start pacing. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, is it the one Solera Soler attacks? Remco doesn't want to chase. Rollers doesn't want to chase. Almeida yeah. sitting in the wheels is perfect. Um, that was kind of funny to me. Um, <laughs> anyway, like, good on him, I guess, Soler pacing, but yeah, it's, and good on it helped Almeida's GC. Anyway, they start finessing. Roglic Unlike in La Molina, he, Soler drops himself and Almeida's on their wheel. 
Roglic, and I think Almeida was pacing a little bit, he attacks at 700, the Yumbo. And I was like, he well, must be feeling good. He must be. Because he hasn't done that all week. He's been in the yeah. wheel, in the wheel, in the wheel. In La Molina, he didn't counter when they brought, uh, no, before the stage four Volta, he didn't counter when Remco brought back Chavez. And I was like, he must be cooking here. And Remco got back to the wheel, Roglic stops again. And Roglic did. He's, been, he's done this how many times this season? Where do you, who do you learn this from? Roglic's new move is the 400 to go, 100 meter, 75 meter sprint, but not full. It's a bait. Stops. I think he, I think he learned it from Pog on Perigude because Pog played Might've. Jonas with it on Perigude. He like sprinted, stopped, looked dead. Jonas counted. Pog was like, ha ha, in the wheel and then won the sprint. <laughs> and then Re- Rolich does exactly the same. Remco goes alongside him. He's like, oh, I've got you. You just opened your sprint. You sat down. Roglic gets across into the wheel. Remco is doing an Alaphilippe special impersonation. He goes left. He goes right. He goes left again. I have to say, <laughs> he, was, he was zigzagging. Re- Roglic is like, because Roglic is going to win at this point, and he's just like, yeah. I can't let myself get chopped. And he comes out of the wheel and, and beats Remco in much, much more convincing fashion than yeah, on Valtteri. Yeah, yeah. By six seconds, Almeida third on 12, Soler fourth on 28. Uran 44, where did that come from? Lenny Martinez, very nice performance and a good climb for him on 47 seconds. The young French rider, Lander, and Woods 7th and 8th on 56. Then Hindley and Brooks, just uh, 9th and 10th. Ciccone lost. Today was not a good day uh, for Ciccone. He lost a lot of GC positions. Yep. Roglic now 10 seconds ahead of Avonapol. Almeida, two steps up into third on GC on 102. Lander stays in fourth. Soler from 10th to 5th. He would be, if he didn't attack on La Molina, he would be in fourth. Wood stays in sixth. Then Ciccone drops four. Hindley drops one. He's on eighth. Then Odebrooks, Uran. For, uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty solid top 10. But yeah, I didn't accept this from Roglic today, Benji. I didn't either. I would have expected the climb to be done differently. As in, I would have expected a, a more aggressive tactic from Quickstep than the tempo they did, and then the attacking from Emko Evenepoel. But even regardless of that, I would have expected Roglic to capitulate a bit earlier. But does the factor that Soler can follow the moves of Remco there say that Remco wasn't on the level of a few days ago? Well, or... I'm waiting for the watts because I think I think they went pretty quick. Like, we're, we're being... I was a bit harsh about quick step and I think I really I think really I am nitpicking because I don't think Jan Hurt was pacing at four watts per kilo either. I'm talking no, a no, very no. marginal thing. And if Remco was as good as he was on Valter and Lamolina, and if Roglic mm-hmm. was as good as he was on Valter and Lamolina, we wouldn't have even mentioned that. Remco would have gone away and I don't know. I, I need to see the watts, but I think I think the early estimations are really, really fast. Like, really, like, really? in best ever career shape. That's crazy. The, which... But then again, 2017 was also career-breaking performance on the yeah, same yeah. climb. Yeah, so this climb, for reference, everybody, this climb is paced at 100 watts beforehand because they have a break of Spanish Pro Conti riders ahead. It's a one-week race. It was a sprint stage yesterday where they were pretty much cruising if you're a GC guy. It's 15 to 17 degrees temperature. The climb starts at sea level and doesn't go above a thousand meters. The climb is 
from 20 to 25 minutes. It is consistently steep between 8 and 10% the entire time. Every single condition is conducive to a high watts performance. Low altitude, perfect temperature, you know, all of that. Low kilojoules before. Opposite to La Molina, by the way, which is not as steep, but it was hard stage before. It's it's can be a bit cool. It goes to high altitude often during the stage. Yeah. Over 1,500 meters makes a big difference as well. So that's why they went quick. So, you know, it's technically maybe Roglic's best ever performance. Coldola Lowe's is probably when you account for all factors. Yeah. One of his best, but still, he's in good shape. Um, and maybe, I'm, maybe now that I've seen the Watts or whatever, what I'm saying about Remco is wrong. I definitely don't think stop-start is... That is playing into Roglic's hands, regardless. Yeah, because, because you're giving him the recovery before he has that accelerative sprint yeah. that he always performs. So that, that stop-start definitely doesn't help there. I will, however, say the way Roglic raced this climb might not be the way to win the Giro d'Italia, though. Because if you look at the Giro d'Italia, you're looking at a race where time trials are going to be vital. And on paper... If we look at the consistent average time trial of an Emco Evenepoel and the consistent average time trial of a Primoz Roglic, Evenepoel's time trials should on paper be better. Unless Roglic has his Olympics ITT form every single time trial, then we're talking about a different story, of course. But that would mean that Roglic can't just sit on the wheel of Remco Evenepoel on the climb of yesterday, for example, on the climb of Walter, and on the climb of today, for example, for the majority of it. Needs to properly attack at Emco if that situation arises. So it's it all depends how much he loses. Yeah, if he true. does his Tirreno TT bonus seconds and a 500 meter surge are not going to get the job done. If yeah. he can do his career best TTs, this is this is the whole thing about Pagacha in the Tour de France last year. If Pagacha rode conservatively on Grenoble, as I said when I was a flat earther, I thought he would lose a minute to 90 seconds, and I think yeah. he would have lost a minute to 90 seconds if he rode that stage differently. And if he's only a minute back, it's a whole different TDF. You've got bonus seconds, you've got this and that. You don't need to attack Spandell's two hours before the end of the finish. Same with Roglic. If the TT brings him close enough, that puts a huge amount of pressure on Avenapol where he has to drop Roglic because if he brings Roglic semi-fresh, I'm still taking Roglic uphill. I don't care about La Molina. In an uphill 500-meter sprint, I'll take Roglic. Most of the time. Um, but if Roglic can do nine, I think he did like nearly over 1900 VAM. Yeah, on but. The climb. What, what the hell? That's really fast. That is, <laughs> what is, I mean, he was, listen, you can, you can say what you want about, oh, Roglic had surgery and recovery as well, and Remco had the best. Roglic still went to altitude before. Roglic yeah. still used Tirreno to tune up. He wasn't at his best there. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I am, I'm shocked. I thought we were coming around huh? today. I think we're both coming around based on, based on Catalonia. Now I was expecting Roglic to be on the level necessary at the Giro d'Italia. I wasn't expecting yeah, yeah, yeah. this performance today then, if it's such a high level, which is congrats to, to Roglic for taking it home. Quite a hundred percent. Now yeah. I, if. We take a look at the sprint for a second. Could Remco Evenepoel have played the sprint differently to benefit it more? And I think, I think as well. Obviously, you're saying the Roglic tactic of going at 400, then stopping, then going again uh, from the wheel of Remco Evenepoel. That's the, 
That's the Roglic strat now. Demko should have been aware of that based on the previous races, right? Based on how Roglic has done that the same in Tirreno twice. And he did kind of, he didn't really do it completely on stage one here, though. Roglic, not the same exact. I can't concept. remember. But if you're there and he launched at 400 meters, you know that. If Remco Evenpool goes then, he's going to he blow himself baited. up with Roglic in the wheel. Remco got baited. Um, yeah. Maybe he if thought he, that... The ideal thing is, let Roglic do that and just sit on his wheel and launch with 200 meters to go. But maybe he had the confidence of, of La Molina and said to himself, well, it worked on La Molina by going a bit earlier. Maybe he'll drop again. So it's kind of a, a two-up thing, eh? You can't really 100% blame him because it worked on La Molina. But on the other end, we know that it's Roglic's signature move. Yeah. I think... I think Quickstep had a lot to think about for the Giro, actually, after Catalonia. Like, I don't think they'll be more confident about the Giro after Catalonia. I don't think it's, oh, we'll go to the Giro, have an easy win, Roglic is not in this best shape anymore. Catalonia is like, oh, no, like, this ain't much easier than the TDF. <laughs> <laughs> like this is a very very serious opponent who's more than good enough a guy who'd be able to podium the TDF I said win yep. um, when the route came out so <laughs> yeah a lot of learnings from this race uh, Roglic with that 10 second I mean if Avonpol wins the stage tomorrow and Roglic doesn't top 3 I think Remco wins GC we'll have to look on countback so GC's not over I will preview tomorrow no sorry that's Barcelona stage. Tomorrow's stage should be a breakaway. 175Ks from Martorey to Molins de Rey. It has up and down, medium mountain all day with only one categorized climb. 5.6Ks at 6% uh, with 38Ks to go. That is something that the Caden Groves, Alperson, and maybe I think Coffer just don't mind seeing that. So, I mean, it depends on Groves' climbing shape. A sprint is not out of the question, but really... I'm really looking at a break tomorrow. Uh, Simone Velasco, is he might be here? I'm picking him. Simone Velasco. Jesus. I didn't expect that coming out of your mouth for Juan Valencia on a very stage. similar stage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to go and say, Ethan Hater. I'm going to be that guy. He's got, you reckon, if I'm Ineos, I'm not pulling him in the day, right? He's got to go Send on him the, him break. In the break. Yeah. yeah. It's the what, best thing He did to today, do. but without the dropping back to the peloton. Uh, who else do we like the look of? Ezra Harada, possibly. I'm um, looking at yeah. EF. Mm. Amador. Andreas Krohn's a nice shout for this too. Don't know what his shape's like, but Andreas Krohn, you've got to respect in this sort of breakaway too, as well as like a Dylan Turns or a Darren, uh, Daryl Impey. So it'll be a break. Could be a nice one. Uh, but otherwise... By the way... Be oh, yes. I do want to talk about that for a second. Laporte has ended now. The gap in GC is 10 seconds, like you mentioned earlier. This race is not over, right? No, 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 no. Should, uh... They'll go for the... But if the break gets brought back, they'll sprint for the bonus seconds in with 10Ks to go, right? At Palaya. Do you see Remco trying something on that climb? 6K, 6%. 30k from the finish line, YOLO? <laughs> I mean... Why not? I mean, why not? Why not, huh? I'd probably Just say... he reaches the, the intermediate circuit. sprint. I mean... Why not? Why not? Yeah, probably. I would try it. 
prospects of success. I'm not sure, but um, Foss and Hessman and Co. Foss in particular would be pretty difficult to keep him behind, but Remco is the aero bullet. I think it's the Barcelona stage, which is much trickier for Jumbo Visma and, and Roglic, even though he'd probably be favoured for that stage too. But yeah, it's not over. 10 seconds is not a big gap, uh, but I think Quickstep will be ruining not being as aggressive on Valter. I think they've cost themselves dearly in this race. Uh, anyway, that's all from us. A huge day of racing. Big pod. We really enjoyed it. Lots to talk about. Appetizers for Flanders and the Giro, but good racing in its own right. Thanks to you all and Swift as always. And we'll see you tomorrow with Catalonia Stage 6. Ciao. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.